Thank you for the ministry through song tonight. We're going to turn our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1 this evening as we continue our series on authentic church. And in this uh, introductory chapter, we've already learned a couple of the issues that were somewhat plaguing the church there in Ephesus. And, and of course, uh, Timothy, who was uh, trying to lead the church, trying to, uh, trying to be that representative there that was going to help realign the church. And uh, last time we looked at the law in its uh, appropriate use, its correct usage, uh, where Paul affirms that it is good. And again, the issue was that there were those in the church who were uh, using the Old Testament in its uh, in, in the sense that it's, it's, it was a scripture of the day, um, and it was causing, uh, they, they were misusing it, it was causing great confusion. And so Paul addresses that, and he, he, he corrects the, the, uh, the usage of the law, how it's not for the righteous, but, um, and we, we looked at all of that list of those that the, the law does affect. And we left it off in verse 11, so we'll pick it up in verse 12. Here and we'll read down to verse um, verse seventeen, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Who was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and injurious, and I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering, for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the King eternal immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. We'll ask the Lord to bless. Father in heaven, we come before you tonight. And Lord, as we've opened scripture, as we read it out, we recognize that it's, Lord, it's perfect, Lord, that you've preserved it for us. That, Lord, we don't have to manufacture a way to make it relevant for us today. It is relevant. Lord, it's your eternal word. And so we want to Lift it up tonight and ask that you would please teach us, uh, Lord, recognizing the need that we have in this day. And so I pray that you'd be honored and pleased, and I pray that you just, uh, Lord, be blessed as we, we have this time. Help us, Lord, to understand the things that you would have us to know in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And so we see here, um, Paul continues, and really verse 11 is the, is the jumping off point into verse 12. He, he mentions there in verse 11 that uh, at according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And so he's recognizing again in, in, his, uh, in his writing to, to Timothy that, that the gospel was entrusted to him, that, that indeed the gospel as, as we see it here in, uh, presented to the New Testament church was entrusted him initially. And so now he goes into a, a bit of a, a, a time of reflection and he's reflecting on, on himself. But really, as you think about the rest of the chapter, 
he's really going to make a contrast between his testimony and some of the testimony of those, particularly in verse 20, uh, whom he names their Hymenaeus and Alexander. And, uh, and, and firstly here, he's going to give an example, uh, both a, a good example and then also a negative or bad example later. But he starts off by trying to encourage Timothy uh, about his own, um, his own testimony, about Paul's own testimony. And, and Paul gives himself as, in, as an example here, not to, not to glory in himself, but to point out what God has done in his life. And so in verses, one, sorry, verses 12 to 20, really it's Paul giving some examples. And in verses 12 to 17, the verses we read tonight, Paul starts to reflect a little bit about his personal history. All right, verse 11, again, was a jumping point to this thought. And in doing so, he's going to give Timothy really what, what it was a good example of the working of God in a person's life. But then in verses 18 to 20, Paul gives Timothy a charge and then to reinforce the consequences of not keeping that charge that's been committed by Paul uh, to Timothy, Paul names these two individuals that, that, that are really a bad example. All right, so we're going to see verses 12 to 17 tonight, Paul's good example, okay? And, and firstly, we see in verse 12, Paul's present situation. And notice there again, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now, that ministry was very much grounded upon and connected to the, the fact that he was called to, pre, to, to, be, the, uh, to be the vessel wherewith where the gospel was going to be preached. And, and so he's speaking about that, and, and he starts off and he says, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. And, and Paul thanks God, uh, thanks the Savior Jesus Christ for his present situation. And later on, we're going to see that this is in contrast of who Paul was previously to Christ, Saul of Tarsus, who, as he mentions here, was a persecutor, was an enemy of the church, and yet his present situation was very different to what it could have been. And so he starts off, as we do, if we would just reflect on where we would be without Christ, he starts with some thankfulness. And it's a good thing to be thankful for your present situation, because without Christ, your life would be much, much worse. He gave this to us by grace. And so he says, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he, 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 he starts by giving thanks. And when we consider our present situation, considering the mercy of God and, and what God allows us to do for Him, we ought to be thankful. It, it shouldn't cause us to be puffed out, uh, up in pride as if, as if we were the achievers of that. No, we're simply vessels that God in His mercy poured upon, uh, that he, he poured upon His mercy, and now we're enabled to do so. And he says, there, he says there, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. And really what Paul is trying to leverage here is his own story of redemption from what he was to who he is now. What Paul was trying to do was encourage Timothy through his own testimony about the power of the gospel to transform lives. And you understand that, that, that as, Paul, as Timothy sought Paul for some clarification, for some help during this difficult time, that, that, that Paul needed to remind Timothy that this was indeed the mercy of God that was helping him. 
And so he says that using himself as a good example here, who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now notice there, he, he says that, that, uh, that God had, had enabled him through mercy. Paul was indicating here that the only reason he, was, uh, he had a work to do, the only reason he had any purpose, the only reason that he was in any ministry, not because he was faithful uh, per se, he was enabled to be faithful firstly because of the mercy of God upon his life. And I think about what he said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Similarly in verse 1, Therefore seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. He understood that this wasn't an earned thing in his life. No, God was merciful to him. And that's the, that's the thing that will help him continue on in the ministry that God has called him to do. It was in mercy that he received it, and it was in mercy that he is enabled. And church, listen, we might labor and we might put all the effort and we ought to do our best and our most excellent for the Lord Jesus Christ. But in the end of it all, any person that we see has a modicum of faithfulness in his life. It's just due to the mercy of God upon that individual's life. And by the way, upon our lives. And so he says there, thank, thanking Christ Jesus, his Lord, thanking the Lord for the mercy that he's received. That, that He was enabled for that He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And Paul's saying to Timothy, in view of his present situation, don't lose sight of what God is able to accomplish through the power of the gospel. He's put him into the ministry. And, and, and in this short statement here at the end of verse 12, putting me into the ministry, Paul encourages Timothy that it is God that places men in ministry. It's God. They, they didn't earn it. God placed them there. And he says, putting me into the ministry. And despite the fact that there were those in the church who were opposing the sound doctrine being taught and the leadership that Timothy had, Paul remind, reminds his son in the faith, Timothy, that he was put in the ministry by the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, in Revelation 3.8, the Bible tells us, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength that has kept my word and has not denied my name. But it's an open door through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God is the one that, that places the calling on the individual and places the, 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 that individual in a, in a certain, uh, certain uh, place of ministry. And we must not forget that, that in that sense, God, is, in the, uh, God is, is the one in charge of troop movements. He places those... Who, who are in, in ministry, in, in the, the way we understand that word, those who are, are either pastoring or in the mission field, it's His call. He's the one that put them there. And so we must be reminded about that. And so we see, firstly here in verse 12, Paul's present situation. Then he goes on in verse 13, and now he contrasts that. And now we see Paul's past history. And now he's starting to, to open up and and, and remind Timothy where he came from, what he was before Christ. And he says in verse 13, He was before a blasphemer, a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Notice he says there who was before. This wasn't him now. And aren't you glad that, that once Jesus saves you, that your past is the past. That, that you're a new creature in Christ. And he says who was before. 
And, and, and notice in Philippians 3.6, the Bible tells us about Paul concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless. And as we understand it, Paul, who was before Saul of Tarsus, was a great enemy of the church. Paul was the greatest opponent of the church previous to his converse, uh, conversion. And in verse 13, he, he makes note of that. He was a blasphemer. He, he was someone who, who spoke out against God, uh, who spoke out against the church of God. He, he was also, in verse 13, a persecutor, and certainly he was. He would hail men and women and children to be tried in his zeal, and then also injurious and through his words and through his actions. And so he was a great enemy uh, against the church. And, but we see here included in history, in his history, was the mercy of God once again. Because he says there in verse 13, he was all of that. But he says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You see, Paul, in his thinking and in his upbringing and in, in what he knew, he, he didn't oppose Jesus Christ and his, and his church because he, was, he, he wanted to dishonor God. In fact, Paul believed in what he was doing. He was serving God by persecuting these Christians. But here's the fundamental thing. He was mistaken about who Jesus Christ was. And so because of that, he says, you know, I did it ignorantly in unbelief and and really, uh, many times, even in the Old Testament, the law distinguishes between unwitting and purpose sin. And here, God was, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Paul was, was, uh, was, was, uh, was speaking to, uh, to Timothy, and he says, I obtained mercy because I did it, not because I wanted to stand against God. I thought I was doing it for God. I, I just was mistaken about who Jesus Christ is. And, and, and Paul then receives mercy because in exchange, really, for who he was, his blasphemy, his persecutions, his violence toward the church of God, instead of receiving just punishment, you know what God did instead? God poured out grace, trust, and love. And by the way, we, we may not have been like the Apostle Paul, but our sin was great also. And, and, and God, in his grace to us, listen, if in your mindset you have somehow were deserving of salvation, you have missed the point. It was God's grace. It was His mercy. You know, mercy is an understanding that we did deserve something, but God never gave it to us. We do deserve punishment in the lake of fire. We deserve that. But because of His mercy, then we're no longer headed that way. We've been giving, given something else. And can I remind you, as the Apostle Paul even was reminding the church in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and such were some of you. Such were some of us. We were all in that same predicament, just, just in, in, a, in a different uh, indifference in our position in life. But Paul was now recounting his past history. He was before that. And notice verse 14 then, as he thinks about that that contrasts to where he is now, to what he was before, he starts to begin about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and, and I hope that that's where your mind goes when you think about what you were or would have been and what you are now. That your mind doesn't go to how good you are. It goes to how good God is. How, how good the Lord Jesus Christ is. And 
That's where Paul's mind goes in verse 14 and 15. And here we see Paul's precious Savior. Paul's precious Savior. He says, And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And here Paul begins in his, in his, in his recount of his history, in his recalling and, and, and in, a, in a sense giving an example to, to Timothy of the transformational power of the gospel He's starting to speak about now His precious Savior. And we do have a precious Savior. And he says, And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant. See, as Paul has contrasted the difference in his life, he needs to make mention of who did the change. And all credit must go to Jesus Christ. Paul didn't reform himself. Paul didn't transform himself. Paul didn't work his way into who he was. It was all by grace. And, and really what I'm saying is, you know, God's grace, His grace has made all the difference in our lives also. And, and let's be reminded of that. See, Jesus didn't save Paul because somehow He knew uh, that Paul would be faithful. You know, I, I once was sitting with someone and, and they were just commenting on, on what, what God had done in their life. And, and they said something like this, and, and maybe it was in their, their youthfulness in the, in the Christian faith. But they, were, they said something along the lines of this, oh, God must have seen how good I would be in order to have saved me. He must have seen that, you know, God's just been so good to me and, and, and He must have just seen that in my future. And listen, God sees he, He's above time, right? We understand that. But He doesn't save you because later on you will be good. We don't deserve a thing. He saves us because He's gracious. And He's saying there, all right, although, uh, he, he, um, although Paul later on would do great things, it was by grace. Grace was the transforming agent that took a great enemy of the church to, to make it its greatest proponent. And, and then he says in that second part of that verse, it says, And the grace of our Lord Jesus was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And, and notice that this, this phrase here, with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus, this really speaks of what had been replaced in Paul's life. And God doesn't just save us from our past and punishment. Can I just say, He gives us a future and precious promises. He gives us a life anew. Where once Paul was a skeptic, now he had faith. Where once he had hatred for the church, now he all, all he has is love. And he says that in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, Boy, if there was anyone, an example of this, it would be the Apostle Paul. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. You know, no doubt, if, if, if they were to, to see Paul as he was in comparison to Saul, they would say, boy, there's something different about this person. Who is he? And, and there he's saying there that, that he was given these things and he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And then he continues on in verse 15, and uh, as if to emphasize this point, he says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. He says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And we see here that, that really this is Paul's mention 
Paul's mention of his precious Savior in the mode of his mission. This was Jesus' mission on earth. It was to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's saying, Jesus Christ, he says, this is a faithful saying. All right, that, that means uh, that this is something that is worthy to be, uh, to be uh, thought upon, worthy to be received. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. This is the mission of Paul's precious Savior. And, and this is a point of emphasis to say, this is an absolutely true and needful truth. And Paul uses this phrase, this is a faithful saying, four times through the pastoral epistles to make a point that Christ came into the world to save sinners. That is Christ's mission. In Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is to come and to, to seek and to save that which was lost. But then notice what he says there in, at the end of that verse, of whom I am chief. And I want you to note there, Paul, Paul recognizes that of all people, he was probably the least deserving. He said, of whom I am chief. See, I believe that part of authentic Christianity is knowing the depth of our sin and knowing the grace that you've received. It's exceeding abundant. See, often we don't, ha we don't value our salvation because we don't truly see the greatness of our sin. We think somehow we sort of made it more than the others. But Paul truly meant this. He, he understood, as has been, as we previously discussed, his past. And, and someone once said this, the fact is, it is always the characteristic of a saint to feel himself a real sinner. See, the air in a room seems to be clear. But when it is penetrated by the sunlight, it is seen to be full of dust and other impurities. And so as men draw nearer to God and are penetrated by the light of God, they see more clearly their own infirmities. And to begin to feel for sin something of the hatred which God feels for it. And tonight I hope that you recognize that you're just a sinner saved by grace. That, 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 you, that, that there ought to be a, a joyfulness in our heart and a, and a gratitude to a holy God that, that he, just, he just reached down to a sinner like us. And there ought to be that. As we strive to, get more, to become more like Christ, you know, the, 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 the thing that happens is this, we recognize more and more how undeserving we are, how great a sinner we were. And we start to recognize that. And so he says, this is a faithful saying. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And he comments, of whom I am chief. But then notice verse 16. He says, how be it, for this cause I obtain mercy. That in me first Jesus Christ much might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. And we see here, uh, fourthly, Paul's patterned life. He, he's saying, you know, uh, for this cause, for this reason I obtain mercy. And, and Paul is going to, to reiterate, to reemphasize that he was given mercy for a reason. You see, God doesn't save us for nothing. He saved us to do something. He saved us to show something. 
And, and, and in Paul's case, he says that in me first, he might show his long-suffering. And, and Paul was declaring that the, that the fact God saved him, it really showed God's long-suffering to man. And you, you, you understand that the Apostle Paul, again, if you look at his past, he was, he was an unlikely candidate for salvation. He was the opponent of the church. He was the great persecutor. He, he was the one who was going about and, 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 and persecuting the, the, the church of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet here he was. And he's saying that, you know, he, God was long-suffering. He used me in, in, he gave me mercy to use me to show. To show that he is a long-suffering God. In 2 Peter 3.9 the Bible tells us the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us word. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, the old reality of, this, of it is this. If, if God was not long-suffering with us, then none of us would be here. If God wasn't long-suffering with, with all of us, you know, at, at, the, at a moment's call, He would have just sent us all to hell. But the reality is this, we have a long-suffering Savior. He just suffers long with us. And He did that in salvation, but you know, He continues to do that for us. Aren't you glad that, that, that our God is long-suffering? Because consider yourself for a little bit. Consider the rebelliousness sometimes in your heart. Consider sometimes the things that we think, the things that we do. And even with this with this new nature that's in us, we still at times, many times, battle this sinful flesh. And yet God over and over again is long-suffering. We serve such a, such a wonderful God. And then he says that it was for a pattern. This was a, to be a pattern for those who would believe. And the pattern here is that God could save anyone, even the worst of sinners. And that bodes well for the rest of us, doesn't it? We may not have been the ones persecuting the church. We may not even have been blasphemers, but, but the reality is we're all sinners. Deserving much, much worse. De deserving eternal punishment. And, and how dare we then walk around with our noses held up high? <laughs> how, dare, how dare we then look down upon, down our noses, look at those that are sinners you didn't earn that. God was gracious to you. And you're meant to be a pattern of that. You're meant to walk around and recognize that, that God gave you salvation and you're undeserving. And I was undeserving. And that, that we're just beggars telling another beggar how to get bread. That, that we, we aren't just, uh, we're, we're, not, we're nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the pattern. That, that we go out and we tell others why? Because we have a long-suffering God. Not because we're some, some now this, this great person. No, that's God doing something in your life. So how dare we just walk around and judge a little bit? Now, sometimes we look down on sinners like we were never there. We were all there. And, and they can't help it, just like you couldn't help it. And we better just take great great compassion, have, a, have great compassion in our heart. And we better just understand that, that 
if it weren't for the grace of God, we'd be the same. And so this was to be a pattern. And so, so by implication, that means we ought to boldly proclaim the gospel to anyone, knowing that God is able to save. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore He is able to also save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. And, and you know, the most extreme sinner. In fact, Paul described himself as the chief of sinners. The most extreme of them was saved. Why? Because of the long-suffering of our God. And then notice, lastly, as he finishes off in verse 17, his recount, as he reflects on the, the example that, that God has, has made him, he says now, and he's just praising a bit. This is, this is him praising. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And he, then lastly, we see Paul's, Paul's potentate praised. And he's saying here in recalling his own situation and the change that the Lord Jesus has made in his life, here Paul is unabashed in his praise for God. And I hope that, that we just give God praise every day. I hope we just, when we consider who we are, we just, we can't help it. We just got to praise Him. I hope that when we sing the, the songs that, that we sing of, of our salvation, of, of Jesus doing, uh, doing what we could not do for ourselves, that we are, we are moved to, the, to, 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 to give sincere, with, sincere, uh, with sincere voice, give God the praise that He deserves. And I hope that that's our mindset. I hope that when we recognize how, uh, how, how great a sinner we are, that somehow we don't look at ourselves and go, boy, I've made it. We just look at God and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you. And, and Paul praises God. He says, King Eternal. He says, Immortal, Invisible. And, and King Eternal speaks about his, his, his sovereignty, that the fact that he's all-powerful. It speaks about his omnipotence. He says, Immortal. And, and the fact is that he's always uh, present, that he's omnipresent. Invisible, that, that He's omnipresent. And then He says, the only wise God. He speaks about God's attribute of all-knowing, of, of, of omniscience. And, and Paul here, he ascribes honor and glory to the one who's most worthy. You know, what we sometimes like to do is we, we like to take credit. We, we like the honor. But honor, all honor belongs to God. Any good we do, it's just Him. All the good we do, it's just God in our lives. And a lost and dying world needs the true light. And we are, we are lights, but He is the light. And we better reflect glory to God. You know, we better not walk around and think much of ourselves. I'm glad for God has, how God has worked in your life. But if you walk around and you think you're something, then you're missing the point. You're missing the fact that God has been merciful to you. You're missing the point that God has been gracious to you. You're missing the point that God has saved you. And now He's working in you. And now you have some faithfulness. And now you have some, uh, some working in your lives. And, and really, we need to ascribe, just like Paul did, all praise and glory 
to a great Savior. And there, as he recounts, he ends there. You see, in Timothy's ministry in Ephesus, he was never going to encounter, and this was Paul's message to him, he was never going to encounter a more difficult case than Saul of Tarsus, whom now was Paul. That was Paul's point in using himself as an example. The fact that God had completely transformed Paul shows that he can do the same to anyone. And listen, this gives hope to everyone, all of us, who seeks to win people to Christ. Without compromising the sound doctrine and the message of His Word, this gives hope to those of us who are endeavoring to grow people into maturity, knowing that God, that God is able to do it without compromising the truth that is being taught. See, the message of Timothy was simple. Stay faithful to the gospel. Stay faithful to the scriptures. God is able. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you again. Lord, really. Lord, I, I, I marvel at times at the pride that wells up in my own heart. And I marvel to, to think that, Lord, even in that situation, you love, us, you love the sinner such as I. And Father, we understand that all, all the things, all the, the ministry that you've called us to, the, the life that you've given, Lord, we're undeserving. Lord, if we're, we're saved here tonight, we, we know that salvation was, was, was given by you. That, Father, we were just simply responding to a free gift. And that, Father, you did all the work. And Father, as you continue to work in our lives, you, you change us, you mold us, you, you make us to be something. It's all by your grace, it's all by your mercy. So I pray you help us, Lord, to, to walk humbly before you. Walk humbly and in, in, in walk in wisdom, knowing that, Lord. And we praise you and thank you for our great salvation. But most of all, we praise you and thank you for our great Savior, Jesus Christ. We give you the glory. We give you the praise in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Let's all stand.